Right now in traditional and modern worship, our pastors are focusing on unexpected acts. The Gospel of Luke concludes where acts begins, and the unexpected acts of changed lives in growing churches mentioned therein are inspirited by the unexpected acts of the resurrected Christ. Our pastor's sermons note the prequels and sequels, the befores and afters of the lives and events captured throughout this book. Our scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. A vision of a man from Macedonia came to Paul during the night. He stood urging Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. Immediately after he saw the vision, we prepared to leave the province of Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We sailed from Troas to Sermothras and came to Neopolis the following day. From there, we went to Philippi, a city of Macedonia's first district and a Roman colony. We stayed in the city several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside of the city gate to the riverbank, where we thought there might be a place for prayer. We sat down and began to talk with the women who had gathered. One of these women was Lydia a Gentile God-worshipper from the city of Thyatira, a dealer in purple cloth. As she listened, the Lord enabled her to embrace Paul's message. Once she and her household were baptized, she urged, Now that you have decided that I am a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Amen. Once again, we're really excited that you are worshiping with us today, and we want to know you're here. On the end of every row, you'll find a notebook. Uh, You can let us know that you're worshiping with us today by doing a couple things. One, you can just sign right there on the pad that that you're in worship today, or there's also a QR code if you'd rather uh, do it on your phone. That's just fine. If this is your first time with us, uh, don't worry about doing any of that. There's a visitor card in that notebook. We'd love for you to fill that out. You can turn it in at the welcome desk, and we have a, a free gift just for you. It's an it's a Asbury coffee mug that is made by the women at Prodigal Pottery. This is an organization that helps uh, women get back on their feet that have been through trauma, and we're so excited to partner with them in uh, this hospitality for our first-time guest. Uh, got a question for you. Those of you on TikTok will have already pondered this. Are there more doors or more wheels in the world? Now, some of you might be thinking, I'm pretty late to this debate, and others are thinking, I've never even heard that question before, but it has divided the social media world into two teams. One pointing to hotels, apartment buildings, in dorm rooms that say there are more doors in the world, and the the other team is pointing to uh, suitcases and bicycles and other common things to say that there are more wheels in the world. 
you don't believe me that that's a debate, just at lunch, somebody asked the question and see how long it takes you to figure out uh, if you can come to a consensus. Uh, picture that for a moment, though. How many doors that you walk through every day? Your bedroom door, your bathroom door, your front door, your back door, your garage door. Uh, then you've got the office door, the school door. We walked in the church doors this morning. And our lives are filled with walking through doors. But sometimes doors are locked, aren't they? Uh, when I was in college, I served as the resident manager of the campus ministry that I was a, a part of. A resident manager is someone who lives in the apartment at the facility and in exchange for taking care of the facility by cleaning it, locking it up, and, and doing the yard work, you got to live there rent-free. Uh, I was also a part-time youth director at a local church and super excited to be out on my own living here on the campus of the University of South Alabama. And my first weekend there, it was Saturday night, I went to bed, excited about the day, I woke up, made me a bowl of cereal, and didn't have a spoon. So I thought, well, there's a big old kitchen down there, I'm going to go down there and get a spoon. So I go down to the kitchen, I grab a spoon, I walk all the way up to my apartment door, which is upstairs, and the door is locked. And here I am in my underwear and t-shirt standing on the sad side of the door. And I think, what am I going to do? So I go back downstairs, and I think I'll call the resident manager from last year. So I pick up the phone, before cell phones, you know, date me a little bit. I pick up the phone, and I call my friend, and I say, hey, I'm locked out. What do I do? Is there a spare key anywhere? Did y'all hide one somewhere? He said, no, but the apartment window's always unlocked. So go outside, go get on the air conditioner, climb on the roof, and see if the window is open. Some of you are ahead of me already. And I go up there, and it's locked. So I climb back down off the roof, onto the air conditioner, and come back to the door, and I have now locked myself out of the building in my t-shirt and boxers. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I gonna do? Well, I came up, I figured I have two choices. One, I could miss church and just hang out until hopefully the campus minister on a Sunday drops by for some odd reason. Or I could walk down the street to my friend's house and call my campus minister to come and save the day. So being a youth director, I thought, I've got to be at church. So I began walking down Old Shell Road in Mobile, Alabama, with people waving and honking as I'm walking in my underwear. <laughs> you know, we also have those metaphorical doors in our lives that represent opportunities we have in our life to take adventures. What college are we going to go to? What are we going to major in? What career path are we going to take, who we will spend the rest of our life with, you know, what path are we going to follow to follow Jesus? 
And sometimes these metaphorical doors get locked as well. And what happens when the doors we want to walk through become shut and we are left to decide where to go next? Today we're looking at a story about Paul and Silas as they have had doors shut in their faces and try to figure out where the Spirit is leading them. Last week, we looked at the message of how the message with Jesus was opened up to the Gentiles as well as the Jews, and this created a culture that kept Paul on the move, proclaiming the good news in parts of the world that he never thought he would be into a richly diverse group of people. Now, all of the doors up until the point of our scripture were being shut. They were trying to go all over the place, all over Asia and Bithynia. And Paul confronts locked door after locked door after locked door until finally he has this vision of this Macedonian man begging for help. The story doesn't tell us a whole lot about this vision. For example, the Macedonian doesn't say what help he needs. The only thing we get from the text is that Paul and his companions fully understood what it meant. And immediately they prepared to set out for Macedonia with a door that had been opened by the Holy Spirit. Now smooth sailing brings them to Philippi. Philippi is described as a Roman colony. It's the only city in both Luke and Acts that get this distinction. Now this city was supposed to reflect what a true Roman city would look like. So the people in that region, when they would come there, they would see the benefits of being a part of Roman culture. Up to this point in our narrative, when Paul would talk about Jesus, he would teach in the synagogue. But here he finds himself on a riverbank because there is no synagogue in Philippi. The Spirit led them to this place of prayer outside the city. Paul finds this group of women there. The text names one of these women as Lydia. And it highlights her significance in three different ways. First, she is a worshiper of God. Now, that designation identifies her as one of a number of individuals who, who had favor or had an affinity for God but weren't necessarily Jewish. So it kind of left them on the outside. Second, she is a native of Thyatira. The naming of her hometown is an unexpected twist in this story. Remember, Paul and his group are looking for a Macedonian man not a Tyrrhenian woman. And three, she's a trader of purple cloth. 
this signifies that she has uh, some significance, some importance. She has some wealth. She is earning a living, which in itself is kind of unexpected in that world. And she leads to having generous hospitality. This text from Acts teaches us that if we're going to be a part of unexpected acts of God, then we need to walk through the doors that the Spirit opens for us. Each of us has experienced disappointments, haven't we? We feel that we're doing what God's calling us to do and boom, a door is shut right in our face. It's snatched away from our grips. A roadblock is put in front of us. And there are many reasons to why doors get shut in our lives. Sometimes doors close because we're running from what God is asking us to do. Kind of like the story of Jonah. You know, remember that story. God called Jonah to preach to the Ninevites, and Jonah quite literally went, nope, (laughs) not going to happen. I don't even like those people. I could care less if they experience your grace. And so he runs, and doors keep shutting until he actually gets to Nineveh. Now, this is a part of the Jonah story that we don't tell. We, we talk about him running and getting thrown over the boat and being swallowed up by the fish and getting regurgitated out onto the sand in Nineveh, and then the people are saved, and it's really happy, right? But the story ends with Jonah still angry. Listen to what he said to the Ninevites. Now, this is after, this is after They were saved. This is from Eugene Peterson's The Message. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God, God, I knew it. When I was back at home, I knew what was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of the hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. I just love how Eugene Peterson gets to the human condition here. I mean, can't you just feel it from Jonah? He's not happy at all that the Ninevites have had a change of life and have been extended grace by God, he would rather be dead than to offer grace to them. And we are much more like Jonah than we want to admit, aren't we? God is constantly compelling us to go to places and preach the good news and the life-changing news of Jesus And we kind of say to ourselves, nope, I could care less if those people experience God's grace. You know, one of the things that I I talk about each and every week in some way is that transformation doesn't happen overnight. 
It takes small 1% changes over time to bring about true transformation. And this is challenging for us because we want to see fruit immediately. And life just doesn't work that way. Uh, Y'all know, those of you who worship here on a regular basis know that I, I call this bridging the gap. Bridging the gap. There's a gap between who we actually are and who God wants us to be. And transformation is the process of bridging that gap. And this week I was listening to a podcast and I heard the best quote I've heard when it comes to bridging the gap. Uh, This is what they said. Here it is. The worst part about being a Christian is that it is every single day. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that resonated with me. It's every day. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a worship service on Sunday. It's not a prayer group on Thursday. It's every single day. And this text is teaching us that we need to follow the Spirit so that we can be a part of unexpected acts. What God is up to in the world. If we're going to do that, we've got to begin to walk through those doors that the Spirit opens for us. And here's some ways that we can bridge the gap on that. First, we need to acknowledge that we cannot open the door alone. Something that I've been convinced is discerning what God would like for us to do is a collaborative effort. It's not something that is done in a vacuum with just us. I mean, think about it. Even Jesus, God in the flesh, surrounded himself with a group of people. There were a large number of disciples, but he also had his inner circle of 12. And how, I've said it before, how arrogant is it for us to think that If Jesus needed people and we don't, we've got to acknowledge that we can't walk this path alone. And and in our scripture for today, the Acts transitioned from the first part of the passage using uh, pronouns like they and he to using the first person plural pronoun of we starting in verse nine. Now, there is lots of conversation you hear from scholars about why that this particular passage had that shift from talking they and he to talking about we, but I can't help but think that it's because when discerning this vision and what to do and where to go, We don't make that alone. We do it together. And maybe that was part of Jonah's problem. Maybe if he would have been doing that work with someone, he wouldn't have been bitter when God did what God said he would do. He would have been appreciative and thankful. I don't know. That's just conjecture. We saw this last week in our passage as well, that Peter took a disciple with him when he went to go heal Tabitha. 
And, and right here in this text, we have that literary shift that I believe has to mean something. So here's some things that we can do to bridge the gap this week when it comes to uh, being in a collaborative space when it comes to our faith. First, find a small group if you're not in a small group. It might be a Sunday school class here. It might be a a Wednesday night offering. It might be uh, something that's totally outside of Asbury, but a small group. And then find yourself some trusted friends that you can be authentic with and tell everything to so that they can speak truth into your life. And also, with your family, share about your faith together and what you can do as a family to open those doors. For us to open the door and do unexpected acts with God, you can't do it alone. And you need to open the door. (laughs) Uh, Verse 9 says this, A vision of a man from Macedonia came to Paul during the night. He stood urging Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. Immediately after he saw the vision, we prepared to leave for the province of Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to proclaim the good news to them. Man, you see that kind of stuff a lot in the scriptures, in in Acts. This whole book of Acts is telling people to get up and go. You know, that would have been a great sermon series for the book of Acts. We need to write that down. You know, get up and go. Because this young group of disciples, and young meaning right after Jesus, this early group of disciples is, they have a sense of urgency about them. They're immediately going somewhere. They're getting up and going. They're they're challenging their religious norms. They are on the move. And one of the challenges we have is that we are, when we are often given the opportunity to open a door and follow Jesus, we sit on our hands. And, and I don't think we do this because we're lazy. I, I think we do it because we're scared. We have a fear of the unknown, we have a fear of rejection. We have a fear that we are going to get it wrong. But for us to open the door, we have got to be open to the unknown. Verse 14, it says, one of those women was Lydia, a Gentile God, worshiper from the city of Tyrathira. I will say that wrong every time. A dealer in purple cloth, As she listened, the Lord enabled her to embrace Paul's message. Remember what I said. They were looking for a Macedonian man, not a Thyatiran woman. She would have been unknown to them. She would have been uh, not just on the margins because of her gender, but on the margins because she was a Gentile. And Paul, who could be a little bit arrogant in and of himself showed humbleness there. He showed a sense of humbleness and listened to the Spirit and opened that door. And then Lydia and her entire family was saved. 
you know, we can't do it alone. We've got to open the door. And we've got to extend hospitality. Hospitality in the ancient Roman Empire was pretty risky. It was not just simply inviting someone over for dinner or going out with someone for coffee or even just letting them spend the night. When you extended hospitality in the ancient world, you were bonding with those people. You were providing provisions of food, safety. You became a part of their life and they became a part of yours. Most of the people in that world that would extend hospitality would would extend it to people just like them. But not Paul and Silas and definitely not Lydia. By her inviting them into her home, they were tying themselves to her. And by them accepting and going, they were saying that they would reciprocate. (laughs) You know, I'm going to invite the worship band to come forward. What doors is the Spirit opening in your world? You know, walking through a door that Jesus would like us to go through has two elements to it. It's bold and it's vulnerable. And I find it so interesting that the work of Jesus can be such a dichotomy. It's all through the scriptures, isn't it? Love your enemies. Blessed are those who mourn. The first shall be the last. What is it? What is it that keeps you from opening that door and being a part of what God is doing in the world? Let's pray together. God, thank you for challenging us. Thank you for the Holy Scriptures that call us to be stronger than we really are. Oh God, help us. Help us to open the doors that you are putting right there in front of our faces. In Jesus' name. Amen.